He makes his sun to rise and he sends his rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love only those who love you, what more have you done than sinners? But you're not any longer a sinner. You're a saint by the blood. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire, author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. The Bible promises that if we resist the devil, he will flee from us. This is the gist of today's message out of the Song of Solomon. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire, and thanks for joining us. Today, we're continuing the series, The One That Got Away, taken from the incredible Old Testament poem, The Song of Solomon. We ended last time with the Shulamite, who is a picture of the church, having endured an all-out campaign of seduction on the part of Solomon, who is a type of the tempter. In spite of the tempter's strongest efforts, the Shulamite remained resolute in her loyalty to the shepherd, her beloved. This was a new experience for Solomon. He had fawned and flattered. He had drawn from his deepest resources to win her over. It had gone on and on. Only once had the Shulamite been able to interrupt him long enough to tell him it was all an accident. She had never intended to put herself where he could tamper with her. But now it was her turn. The tempter had stopped at last and had no more to say. The appeal to flattery was over. Now today we're going to see the application of firmness in the Shulamite's fidelity. As we look at her, let's allow it to strengthen our own firmness and fidelity to our great shepherd, Jesus Christ. So let's go right to the message, an hour of testing. We ended last time with the Shulamite having endured an all-out campaign of seduction on the part of Solomon. He really came after her because as you approach the end of this book, you begin to see he knows he's losing. He knows he's losing the battle. He knows he's not winning her over. So he starts getting desperate. And when he starts getting desperate, he starts revealing his true colors. Okay? So in spite of the tempters, that is Solomon's strongest efforts, the Shulamite remained resolute in her loyalty to the shepherd, her beloved. Perfect picture of how you and I are to remain in these last days when, folks, it's getting darker by the hour out there. Amen? Amen. But I believe God's going to have a bride. God's going to have a church that is shining, that is bearing fruit, that is witnessing, that is not sold out to the culture, not sold out to Solomon, that stays true, stays loyal, walks through the fire, and is a bride without spot or wrinkle that meets Jesus in the air. That's where we're all headed, I hope and I trust. Now, this was a new experience for Solomon being rejected. He wasn't used to it. He had fawned. He had flattered her. He had drawn from his deepest resources of wisdom and experience with all these other women to win her over, but it had gone on and on and on and on, but it hadn't done any good. Only once had the Shulamite been able to interrupt him long enough to tell him it was all an accident. In other words, what she told him, if you'll remember back last week, she told him, 
I didn't choose to be here. Your guys came, your men, and apprehended me and brought me into your court, but I wasn't looking for it, and I wasn't looking for you. I never had desire for you. Now, here's this man with this super ego, and this is not blessing him. It's all an accident. She had never intended to put herself where he could tamper with her. She had always been in love with the shepherd she had met in the fields, a picture of Jesus. But now it was her turn to answer him. The tempter had stopped at last, and he didn't have anything else to say. The appeal to flattery is over. Now we're going to see the application of firmness in the Shulamite's fidelity. Now listen carefully. We're going to see that she is firm. There is no wiggle room with her. She's firm. I am not interested in you. I never have been. I never will be. Get out of my sight. She treats him the way we need to treat the devil. You don't argue with the devil, debate with the devil, leave the door open a crack for the devil because he will kick the door in. You've got to be as firm as this Shulamite was with Solomon. As we look at her words, we're going to see the very essence of resisting temptation successfully. Anybody been tempted so far this year? Okay, I just want to see if I'm living with real people here. The rest of you didn't raise your hand. I want to meet you afterwards. Let me, let me try that again. Anybody in here been tempted yet this year? All right, we're real human beings, aren't we? And there is a tempter in this world, is there not? And boy, he's after the church. Now, what the Shulamite does, we must do. It's exactly what she does is what Jesus did when the devil tempted him in the wilderness with three key temptations. How did he answer? By quoting the word of God. Did he give the devil any room at all? No, none. The Bible says, make no place for the devil. Don't give him any land. That word place, when it says give no place to the devil, is topos. It's where we get topography, topography. And the idea is don't give the devil any land in your life at all. Not one square foot of land in your soul are we to give the devil. Jesus didn't give him a square inch. He quoted the word all three times and thwarted by the Lord's firmness and the Lord's fidelity, the tempter crept away. And I'm going to tell you, he was baffled and he was defeated because for once he met a man he could not defeat. Now, similarly, Solomon from this point on left the Shulamite alone, left her alone. Never again are we going to find his voice raised in this book. He's done. He gave it his best shot. He lost. So let's see then how the Shulamite did it. To all of the eloquence of the tempter, the Shulamite has but one reply. And I want us to say the reply together, can we? I am my beloved's, and his desire is toward me. Let's try it again, everybody, because this is how you answer the devil. Say, I am my beloved's, and his desire is toward me. That's how she answered him. He gave it his best shot, poured out all this flattery, and then he got downright crude and rude and carnal, and lustful. And what does she say to him after this barrage of words? Solomon, I am my beloved's, and his desire is toward me. In other words, no vacancy. In other words, not interested. In other words, my heart is taken. You might as well take your bag of tricks down the road because you're not going to find any desire in me for you. And that's the way. She says, here's the reason, because I'm already in love with another. I love the shepherd. The church, hear me carefully. We're not in a religion. 
We're not in a religion of rules and regulations. The Bible's not a rule book. That's not what we're in. Christianity is a relationship with the great shepherd in heaven, the captain of our salvation, the keeper of our souls. And so as long as we keep our hearts on him, we are able to say to the tempter, I am my beloved's and he is mine or his desire is toward me. So I'm just flat not interested. That's why it's so important to keep our first love alive. Jesus wrote to the Laodicean church and he said, you've lost your first love. You've lost that first love. I want you to get it back. I want you to repent because you need to keep that first love burning because as long as it's burning, the tempter is not going to find a major inroad to your life. That was that. She essentially says, now then, sir, go away. Shoe fly, don't bother me. Okay, seriously. My affections are pledged elsewhere. My shepherd loves me and I love him, case closed. Now I want you to notice something. Look at what she says. She says that the shepherd's desire is for her. Do you see what she did here? She did not say that her desire was for the shepherd. Because if she put it here and said, my desire is for the shepherd, then Solomon would have considered her to always have a vulnerability being a human being. My love is for the shepherd. Oh, really? Well, let's see if we can change that. But she didn't do that. She said, his love, his desire is for me. And she took it off of herself and put it on the Lord. That put the relationship that she had with the shepherd on a higher, more unassailable ground. Here's what she was saying. Take it up with my shepherd. You want to come and attack me? Listen, the door is shut. That's the old story. The devil knocks on the door of your life. And you go to the door and you say through the door, who's there? The voice on the other side says, the devil. You say, go down the street, nobody home. Go take it up with the owner. You put it on Jesus. Take it up with my shepherd because he's the one who desires me. So I'm turning the battle over to the Lord. What does the Bible say over and over again? The battle is the Lord's. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord that he will show to you today. For the battle is the Lord's and it's not yours. So it's wise to say, look, devil, tempter, I'm not standing on my feelings. I'm standing on his love for me. You take it up with him. And I'll guarantee you, he will take you out back and whoop you good. He's the only one who can. Take him on. Take him on, not me. And in saying this, she gave the battle into the shepherd's hands. I can't tell you how important it is when you're really being assailed by the devil to take it to the Lord and say, Lord, you see what he's doing. You see how he's coming at me. You see who he's using. I was counseling somebody this week who's under attack at their office, and they're really being berated at their office. I said, I don't know what to do because i got to work with these people. And what do I do? And I said, well, here's what I would do. I would go out every single day, several times a day, and I would say, Lord, I give you, and I would name them. I give you Jane and June and Judy and Jill and Bob and Steve. I name them to you, these people who are making my job so miserable, because when they attacked me, Lord, they attack you. 
So I give them to you. And I said, I would give them to the Lord several times a day. And you will see eventually the Lord will undertake for you. Because vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. Avenge not yourselves. But bless those that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be the children of your Father who is in heaven. Because what does he do? He makes his son to rise on the evil person and on the good. And he sends his reign on the just and the unjust. For if you love only those who love you, what more have you done than sinners? But you're not any longer a sinner. You're a saint by the blood. So as a child of God, bless them and give them to God and he will undertake for you. That's what the Shulamite was doing. She was saying, Solomon, take it up with the one who loves me. Very, very wise woman. That's how you handle temptation. All we need to say to the tempter is, there's my beloved. There's my shepherd. Go take the matter up with him for his desire is toward me. Church, I want you to know, Jesus' desire is for you. Do you know how much he wants the father to finally turn to him and say, son, go get your bride. Do you know how much he wants that trumpet to blow so that he can come and take his bride home and not just those that are alive, but those that have already died and gone to sleep in Jesus. He's going to resurrect them and those that are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Do you know the Lord's desire is for that hour? His desire is towards me. His desire is toward you. Once her thoughts are finally freed from Solomon's flatteries and able to fix on the shepherd, the Shulamite expresses the longings of her heart. And now she's going to get real. First, she wanted to be with him. She says in verse 11, now she's answering. We're not going to hear again from the tempter in the whole book. Now she answers, come, my beloved. I want to be with you. Come and take me away from this perfumed painted and polluted court of Solomon. Come take me away from this phony, fake, fraudulent, sin-infested, devil-infected world. Get me out of this polluted court. Come and take me away to be with you. Anybody ever feel that way? And she also wanted to flee with her beloved. She wanted to flee. She says, let us go forth to the field. Let us lodge in the villages but she didn't just want to flee. She had somewhere to go. She wanted to go with him into the field, the villages and the vineyards. In other words, catch this. I never saw this before, but get this. She wanted to go with him to the places where she had labored so diligently in the past before she was taken away by Solomon. Now, what does that mean? Have you ever noticed, how many in here ever been in love? Oh man, we need to have an altar call here. Bless your hearts. No, but I sure want to be. Listen, watch this. People who are in love, invariably, they want to take each other to the places where they grew up. That's the house I grew up. That's the playground I used to play in. That's the school I went to. That's the one I got kicked out of. That's where I spent time in jail. No, I'm just kidding. That's where my parents lived, and I used to walk down this street, and I played marbles right here, and here I fell off my bike. 
Do you know what I'm talking about? We want people who we fall in love with to share in the defining moments of our life. That's just natural. And we want to take them to those landmark places. Now, that's what she's doing. The Shulamite wants to do that very thing. She wants to share the important moments of her life with the shepherd. I mean, this is love that's going on here. In verse 12, she says she has something to give him. Verse 12, let us get up early to the vineyards. Let us see if the vine has budded, whether the grape blossoms are open and the pomegranates are in bloom. There I will give you my love. Now, one translator renders this, these words, quote, there I will give caresses of love. Another translator says, there I will give you my endearments. She's talking about marriage vows. She's talking about getting married, after which their love will be consummated. That's what she's talking about. She's looking forward to the honeymoon. Now, I want you to notice something about this Shulamite. There is no denying that this Shulamite is in love with this shepherd. But do you notice she's always willing to exercise self-control until the marriage? Have you noticed that? Now, I've got to tell you something dreadful has happened to the church in our day. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around, but it has happened. There's a lot of people that come into church. They'll get it there and they'll lift their hands and hallelujah and kumbaya and praise the Lord and I love Jesus. But then they go home and they shack up with somebody. They say, oh, that's a piece of paper. Oh, dear. You must not understand what marriage is all about because marriage is not a piece of paper. Now, what I'm about to say, if I said it in a college, pick a college, any college, let me go in and say it, I'll be lucky to get out alive. Because we're living in a seriously depraved, backslidden, spiritually dark generation that has thrown the word of God out. But you'll have people that will come into church just living together and say, well, we don't care about a piece of paper. We're married in the eyes of God. No, you're not. You're not married in the eyes of God. Who told you that? Well, it's just the way we feel. Your feelings are not your guide. The Bible is. Well, it's, uh, we don't feel it's sin because we love each other. Oh, really? So you're telling me that love justifies sin? I can hear some of you going, man, I thought he was teaching Song of Solomon. I wish I hadn't. <laughs> this is Song of Solomon. This is Song of Solomon. Because the Shulamite, we're going to see in a minute, she wants to be with him, but she consistently waits for that moment of matrimony. Well, Pastor Jeff, you know, I think when you love somebody, then that makes everything okay. It doesn't. I had somebody tell me that they had just gotten offline talking to a bunch of young adults who told them that they don't believe that fornication, the word, has been accurately interpreted. That fornication doesn't mean that you can't be intimately with somebody who you love who you feel like you're in love with. That's not what it means at all. So I told this person, and I got all involved in the debate because I was sort of like Cyrano de Bergerac in the background, telling them what to say. You don't know that story, do you? Well, anyway, I was in the background telling them what to say. Well, you tell them, and they're typing away. I said, tell them, if that's not what fornication means, then what is fornication? 
Well, we don't fully understand that word. It's very complex. And I said, oh, really? It's very, very clear. It means you're shacking up before you're married. And God can bless it. This Shulamite refused to go there. Well, if I don't go there, nobody will want to date me. Then say goodbye to them. Matter of fact, I told this person I was talking to, who was also a young adult, I said, listen, take your stand. And they said, but if I take that stand, and I tell all these different people that want to take me out that I believe in purity till you're married, no one's going to go out with me. I said, then you're not missing a thing. Then this person said to me, this is a, a young lady that Kathy and I were talking to. She said, but pastor, these guys go to church. I said, well, they may go to church, but they're not Christians. She said, what do you mean they're not Christians? I said, they're not people of the book. See, I have no problem with people who think outside the box but I have a real problem with people who think outside the book. Okay? So I said, take your stand. If they all walk away, you haven't lost a thing. You want someone who is a person of the book. I got it off my chest. Let's move on. And she also offered to him the fruit of her life. It says... In verse 13, the mandrakes give off a fragrance, and at our gates are pleasant fruits. All manner, new and old, which I have laid up for you, my beloved. In the ancient East, mandrakes were considered love apples. Notice that she says, in lieu of her wedding day, she has been storing up things new and old for her beloved. Well, that's it for this time, and I want to take a moment to thank all of our Life Talk listeners and supporters for your prayers and financial assistance. You know, we receive so many encouraging emails and text messages and phone calls, and they really make our day. One person writes, Just listen to you for the first time. The message couldn't have come at a better time for me. May God continue to bless you and thank you for all you do. Looking forward to listening to your next teaching. Well, thank you so much for writing that gracious note. And you know, Life Talk is all about ministering God's Word to as many people as we can possibly reach. And our reach is growing all the time. We're now broadcasting on approximately 530 radio stations in every state of the Union, as well as the Philippines. And our Internet broadcast has received responses from Russia, England, and other parts of the world. So thank you to all of our Life Talk listeners and supporters Together, we're blessing tens of thousands of people each and every day. Now, don't go anywhere. Our announcer has some exciting offers for you. And be sure to join us next time as we continue with part two of the message, An Hour of Testing. Until then, I pray God's richest blessings be yours. Hi, this is Jeff Wickwire, the host of Life Talk Radio, and I've got some exciting news for you. It's been in my heart for quite some time to see our Turning Point worship team produce their own Christ-exalting music. And you know what? It's finally happened. 
TPC Worship's debut album, Mercy Triumphs, is available right now on iTunes and Amazon, or you can visit tpcfamily.org forward slash worship to get your copy today. That's tpcfamily.org forward slash worship and get your copy, and I know it's going to be a blessing to you. Hour of testing continued is the ninth message of Pastor Jeff's series, The One That Got Away. You can own a copy of this 10 CD set for just $50 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, The One That Got Away, for only $50 plus shipping by logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast.